Welcome to ALSC's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve unpacks the powerful truth that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies through 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, let's continue our journey on the Corinthian church, uh, kind of the, the messy church. <laughs> I, I love that idea. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and if you'll uh, open up uh, your Bibles or I got a Bible and device, so you can turn your device on. I'm, I'm well covered. I got, I got all kinds of stuff happening here. I love this. This is great. One of these days, I'll have like two or three screens going on here. That would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Technology is amazing. You know, this has been a very interesting uh, uh, passage. I, you know, I mean, it, it, it was very emotional for me, and not because we're talking about food. Uh, food's emotional, right? Can you say, man, especially pork. Um, so it was interesting. <laughs> This, because of what it speaks to, I found it challenging. I mean, for me, I ask God, because I tend to be, and this really speaks to one of my challenges, I tend to be academic and, you know, I like to study and all those things. And the very thing that this is talking about addresses me in terms of this concept of knowledge versus love. And I I like knowledge and I like love. But sometimes I tend to defer to knowledge more than love. And so this was challenging to me to remind me of how important it is to love and what this means. That's why I called this messy love. Because sometimes, and again, when we think of messy love, we're talking about how, how we love one another, how we love people around us. Sometimes that's messy. And I think this is exactly what's happening here is there's a lot of stuff going on that was very, very important to, these, uh, to the church here at this time. And because of the culture, I mean, we don't think of some of the things, but it really does apply. It's amazing, the application. I, as we look at this, I think you'll see it. But it's, I hope it'll be as challenging to you as it was to me. It was like God gave me this assignment to bring this to you, and then God worked in my life in a very powerful way. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you today. Um, let's look at uh, the first uh, couple of verses there. We're actually, obviously, chapter 8, there's 13 verses there. Let's uh, kind of walk through just uh, uh, some of the verses. Verse 1, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Now, um, let me just read uh, 5 and 6. I don't have it on the slide, but just to kind of connect it all. Even though if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. Now let's pick it up here in verse 7. However... Is not in everyone that knowledge? For some, with the consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Verse 8, but, but food does not commend us to God. For, for neither if we eat are we better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, at least somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. This is an absolutely powerful passage. I'm going to stop there. I know there's a few more verses. We'll come back to the rest in a moment. But this is really something about love more than anything else. And you could easily miss it in thinking this is somehow about, you know, the, 
you know, we're talking about regulations or rules or structure, things like that. And it certainly is addressing that. But the heart behind this that I see more than anything else is I've studied this and really looked at this and I've spent some time with the Lord on this, that this is about loving people. And it's about loving the people who are in front of you. You know, I, I, it's one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, so what, what am I here for? And sometimes it's a challenge. You know, I, I get here, I'm getting ready, I'm thinking, I'm going to be in front of you, and I want to impart knowledge to you. I want to help you really nail down the Word of God, and that's, that's a big deal to me. But sometimes it's too big of a deal. And I realize what I'm here for is, is I, I, man, I love you guys. And sometimes you don't hear that enough or understand that enough. But what really motes me, I mean, what, what's kept me here for 30 years is the love that I have for the people in this region. Right. Um, you know, if it was just about me imparting knowledge and whatnot, I've had lots of other opportunity. And I've turned them down and haven't gone different directions uh, because, you know, I keep saying, God, you know, until you tell me otherwise... I mean, I mean this. I'm, I'm here. I'm here until God says something different. I mean, you know, this, you're looking at a big city boy who would love to be back in the big city. And uh, so here I am on the <laughs> peninsula. <laughs> but that's because I genuinely believe that every person coming into my life is brought to me by God. Even some of the ones that are a little bit of a problem and a little bit challenging. But every person that comes to my life, and that my responsibility, more than anything else, as opposed to imparting information and all the things that I can bring, is to bring the love of God and the love that I have for them. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, that's challenging for me. I'm, I'm not a very serendipitous type of individual. I'm, I'm not a really mushy. If you know me, you know I'm not really mushy. And I'm, you know, I'm, very, I'm emotional, but you're not going to see me melting in front of it. And if you ever do, then you know it's a really big deal. <laughs> what I see here, let's go back to those first three verses, is commitment to love. Commitment to love those around us, to love our family, our friends, our, the people. In our, this is all about people. And it says, now regarding your question, so they had a question. I love this. They had a question about the food that was being offered to idols. I love this because so much is going on in the church, and they're struggling with the fact that there was probably at this time, you know how many Starbucks there are? Is there not a Starbucks on every corner where we live? Well, there was a temple or place of idol worship on every corner. It was just like Starbucks. Now, I'm not trying to make a connection there, but it was just like Starbucks. Uh, we'll erase that part of the tape. Um, but, you know, there, there was something about, because, right, we go to Starbucks to worship through coffee. And, uh, <laughs> but the idea of that was there was just as many. So everyone, so we go to Starbucks to visit. We go to coffee shops, things like that. Well, they went to the places, and, and that's also where they got food. I mean, that was where they were able, because there was a lot of sacrifice going on, and so they would sacrifice, but they just wouldn't leave the food there to rot. And so it was something, so if you wanted a good bargain on food, you go to these temple or these places of, of, of idolatry, and you could pick up some really amazing meat at a really cheap price, right? I mean, can you imagine the best prime New York steak at like at $2 a pound right now? Would you not buy it? But you see, that's kind of what was going on. You'd think if, if, if Costco or Safeway had prime New York steak, on sale at two... You first thing you think, what is wrong with it? 
And they said, well, we just, it, it's been offered to idols, and so we, we got this. It's absolutely amazing. It's good. It's fresh. It's the best meat you've ever had, and that's why we're giving it to you at such a great reduced price. At this time, uh, this was very common. Uh, it was uh, Diana. That was one of the major kind of goddesses of the time everywhere, all over the place. And so it says, yes, uh, it goes on and says, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. So we know what's going on. We get it. So the church is aware of it. It's not like they were blind to this. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So you could see there was, I think there was a dynamic going on within the body here, within the Corinthian church. It was, they were kind of talking a lot about what they knew, but probably not enough about what they loved and what was going on here. So it was a very challenging kind of thing going on, and, and, and you can see it. And anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. You know, it's such a very powerful statement there. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Can you say, oh, evade of that? <laughs> I read that and I go, that kind of hits me because it's like, it's basically saying, who does God recognize? Where's the emphasis? Knowledge or love? That's a test question. <laughs> so which is it, knowledge or love? Love. Thank you. Yeah, I want to make sure you're listening. So yes, exactly. And so this is a great challenge. I mean, you know, the fact of whether you're eating bacon or pork chops isn't the issue, at least for some of us. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of Christians coming out of a pagan background. Right? And so they're receiving Jesus. I mean, a lot of us, we've received Jesus out of an interesting background, right? And so what happens? I mean, so here you are, you've been living one way, and all of a sudden you radically change your life. And so what does that mean, and how do you do it? I mean, there's a lot of questions we ask, because you probably, and again, you think about it, you grew up perhaps in a lifestyle of maybe uh, drugs and alcohol, or immorality, or... You know, people just did things so differently than what you would imagine in a church setting or in a healthy home environment. They, I mean, all of a sudden, the way of what you're used to, and you come to crisis so different, and now you're thinking, how do I navigate through all this? Because you also got to go home, and you're all of a sudden living in two or three different worlds. Does anyone have that kind of craziness going on? It's like, you know, I go home, and it's like, man, my family lives one way, and and, you know, some of my friends live a different way, and then here I'm trying to live a way, and I'm trying to navigate through all this, and it's messy. <laughs> and I'm supposed to love everyone, and loving everyone like that is even more messy. Because how am I supposed to love people who are doing things that I'm totally opposed to? I mean, so, and, and they're asking the same question. How do we love people who are eating pork and bacon? I mean, this is just really rough. I mean, I've had that question my entire Christian life. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. <laughs> so the question, and, and it's interesting. I want you to see something. I, was, I, was, I really got into this, and I thought, oh, man. This wasn't the first time they asked this question. I, I, this literally is something that's been going on for almost 20 years. They've been struggling with this issue. Because you go back, and you realize that you remember Cornelius's vision about going to the Gentiles? That was, so let me give you a frame of reference. That was about 38 A.D., Right? So that was, you know, 38 years after, after the cross and Jesus' resurrection. And so Cornelius has this amazing vision. You can look at it later in, in Acts chapter 10. 
and you can see all kinds of great information about that was an amazing moment and that was an important moment because now we're going to go to the gentiles because the question of the church was okay do we stay jewish or do we kind of open the door to to everybody and of course the word was open door to everybody of course now there's this amazing vision that comes down and there's all these animals that are forbidden animals and the god says go eat in other words man there was bacon there go eat <laughs> there's pork there was lobster there was salt all the stuff that at that point they're saying we would never eat it and now he's saying so the real question is is it really about i can eat it or is this a metaphorical image that i'm now to go to the gentiles all right. i'm going on the metaphorical image that now we go to the gentiles but you still can't eat <laughs> you might want to side different right and you would argue with me because some of you eat bacon right confess it get it over with we'll have an altar call later and now there's a controversy in us what does that really mean now it goes on and, and then later on right about 10 years later the jerusalem council had to meet i mean the head of everything they had to get together and figure out what are we going to do with this problem and they had this big discussion and they came out whether it was okay to eat uh, meat offered with idols and basically they said no this isn't really a great idea you shouldn't be doing this for not so much that you can't eat but because of and here's the thing we're going to see in a moment because of what it communicates to the world around and here it is because and you can miss this because our responsibility is to love people not trout our liberties while sacrificing the love we have for people that's kind of what's going on with Jews. And then, again, in, in Corinthians chapter 5, now we're another 10 years later. And they're still struggling with whether or not, and so here the Apostle Paul's writing on the direction of the Holy Spirit saying, okay, so what can we do? And, and there's probably, my guess is, I bet the Apostle Paul, when he was in a private home, might have had bacon with his eggs. <laughs> but I don't think he ever did it publicly because of what that might be and what that might mean but again everyone's struggling because we're going to gatherings there's weddings there's social celebrations there's all these things going on how are we to behave what are we to do and so the word is kind of making it clear we are to love people but loving people does that mean i eat bacon or don't eat bacon does that mean I go to those movies or don't go to those movies? Listen to that music, don't listen to that music. Read that book, don't read that book. Uh, you know, again, on and on it goes. There's a lot of issues that are so unbelievably contemporary today. And so that's why this is messy knowledge. Because we have knowledge, and the Word of God is saying, let's look again, verse 10, okay? It says, for if others see you, Okay, looking at you, right? We live in this fishbowl thing. With your superior knowledge, I love that translation, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? Okay, so if you're doing it and you're seen as a believer that's mature and walking with God and they see you doing this with your superior knowledge, I guess that's giving permission then they can do that right so because of your superior knowledge a weak believer for whom christ died will be destroyed that hit me wow am i that arrogant that 
because I can do what I want and I, I understand the Word of God, where God says, you know, I'm not going to, literally, I'm not going to blow my life up because I eat bacon. I know that. But if eating bacon is going to blow up another person's life, where's my head going to go with that? Where's my heart going to go with that? Well, I can do whatever I want to do. I have a right to do it. You know, I understand the word. The word does not prohibit that any longer. I can go ahead, and if I want bacon on my eggs when I'm sitting there at... Cherries. Cherries. <laughs> Oak table, that was what I was thinking of. Oak table. Because they have Canadian bacon there. That's even more special. Not only is it against, but it's also from another place, Canadian bacon. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, Lord. I can go ahead and do that because I have superior knowledge, because I know it's okay. I'm not going to lose my salvation over it. I, I'm not going to go to hell over that. And neither will you. But suppose someone watching is unbelievably blown up by that. And it says, they're weak. And you're thinking, well, that's their problem. They're weak. Like, so, like, grow up. Get strong. Why should I not enjoy my bacon? I mean, BLT's the best ever. Right? And why should I not enjoy that? Oh, that gets me. I mean, now I'm being challenged because I know what I know. But how much do I love? <coughs> I mean, for me, it's like, this is a big deal. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. Right. Ay that really hit me even harder because, I, I mean, that, that's just what it says. There's no way looking at it any other way. You have now committed sin against Christ because you have done something to cause someone else to stumble. And that's a huge deal. So if what I eat causes another believer to, to sin... So here's Paul talking, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another brother to stumble. I want that. I want to be that person. I want to be that kind of person that loves in that way, because what we're talking about here, and you know, this is where it kind of gets a little deeper, we're talking about your attitude. Some of you are mature believers, but you got an attitude, you can do whatever you want. You have that kind of attitude that you can behave anyway, even though it might be wounding the conscience or causing... So what are we doing when we say that, wounding the conscience? What does that mean? So, I mean, that's kind of a, that's an interesting term. If you wound someone's conscience, what are you doing? Confusion. Yes, excellent word. Confusion. What else? What might be stirred up if your conscience is wounded, huh? Temptation. Temptation. So guilt, you were thinking guilt. I could, I could feel that, guilt. Okay, so there's guilt, there's confusion. What else? Condemnation. Condemnation, excellent word. That's exactly part of what it means. So now someone, when they have a wounded conscience, they feel condemned, they feel confused, they feel guilty, and they feel, did I hear shame? Yeah, because shame goes with that. So now I, shame is very powerful. So do you want to be the one that causes guilt, shame, confusion, and condemnation? But we do it all the time. See, this is now, you got, this, is, this was challenging to me. So my, is my knowledge higher than my love for people? 
I know what I know. I could, I could, I'll go to bat with anyone about my right to eat bacon, even though I don't eat bacon. Because I know what the Word of God says. But if that offends somebody, I'll also go to bat for you not eating bacon. Because do we want to be a party to what's going to happen to someone who is struggling and we're just using bacon because it's easy and fun, but think about all the real big questions and things that can come up in life that we, we believe we can do because we know what we know. And God's given us liberty and freedom. So do we care about other people around us? See, here's my thing, and this is a challenging, this challenge me. I'm convinced the church doesn't care about people anymore around them. Just like people don't care about what we think. I think all of a sudden we've all kind of holed up into our caves and we've decided that, you know what? Loving people is just too messy. But God's called us. If you're a believer, he's called you to love people. Everybody. Oh, everybody. I, I, that's a hard one. I mean, we're not just talking about the church. We're talking about outside the church, too. Doesn't mean you agree with them. Doesn't mean that we're, this does not mean we're saying go ahead and do whatever you want. Don't misunderstand that. We are called to love people in such a way that they'll know Jesus. We're going to see in a moment how powerful that is. This is challenging. I mean, do I really love? Do I love? Do I even know what love is? Do I know how to love? I'd like to think I have some idea of this, but I began to think, what about the depth that I feel for people who don't know Jesus? Do I feel deeply about people who don't know Jesus to such an extent, I am willing to adjust my life and the way I, I live and think and, and behave. So I, this is to me with a great challenge. And I started thinking about some of the things of my life. I remember when I first became a, G, uh, became a believer in Jesus. I mean, here was this Jewish boy who all of a sudden gave his life over to the Messiah and let me tell you, there was a huge intellectual challenge in that, but there was a moment when I just received all the emotion and the passion and everything that goes with that came flooding into me, and all of a sudden, I began to see everything differently. I mean, I was, I was that young guy who was on the street corner, on the street corners, literally in Los Angeles, downtown, sharing Jesus with prostitutes, male and female, drug addicts. Uh, alcohol-addicted people, people who were just really messed up. If I could, I could walk you, do you know where Grauman's Chinese Theater is? A block away was the church that I attended. And I worked up and down. I can tell you which street was the male prostitutes, which street was the female prostitutes, which street was you can go buy the best drugs. And we went up and down those streets and shared Jesus and brought them in the church and watched their lives change. And I, I did that sometimes because I really love people. And I did it sometimes because I wanted to look good. And I knew what I knew. That's a challenge, still is today. I mean, when I heard the stories, after I heard the stories of real people sharing their journey, I grieved over that stuff. I still do. My heart breaks over the stories I hear today. It keeps me up at night. You can ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you. And I, 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 have, I lose sleep over the stories I hear and the journey people are under 
because I really, I really do love people. And, you know, I, I guess I want us to love people that way. Because that's what the Word of God is calling us to. I remember I was on the Navigator. That's why I love the Navigators. When I was the Air Force. I was, uh, I was there over at McCord. I was part of the Navigators. And, you know, there was a time when we went to the dormitories and knocked on doors and shared Jesus and didn't get in trouble. And that we were allowed to, to invite them to Bible studies and church and involvement. And there was a whole, there, that was an amazing season. And it was like we were going door to door. And I, I remember one day thinking, this is awesome. And, the, and it was all about, because I remember, I remember the leader at the time of the navigator saying, okay, we want to get 100 people knowing about Jesus. And I'm that kind of guy, if you give me a goal, I am so into that because I am competitive and I want to get that done. And you know what? I can make that happen. Until God all of a sudden said, so why are you doing this? Well, because we've got to reach 100 people. No, no, why are you doing this? Uh, okay, I think I might be missing something here. You know, God in his grace said, yes, you are missing something. <laughs> You're missing the fact that you're doing it because you, you, you really ought to love people, not because you need 100 more people here. Amen. Wow. And I, I just, I, I, th- this is one of the things that honestly bothers me about numbers because I hear a lot of churches have goals. I mean, I, I love goals. There's nothing wrong with a goal. But I, I see a lot of church stuff happening because it's all about goals, numbers. You know, it, it feels competitive. And we got a, we got a, I love it. We got a, we got a, uh, a scoreboard in our office. Because I mean, it's called the scoreboard, and we actually have that up there so we know, kind of keep track. Because it's encouraging. It's just nice to know that God's doing something. You see, know that. So that's what I like about it. It reminds me God is really doing something. But sometimes I look at that scoreboard, I think, man, we got to do better. And then God speaks to me again. (laughs) Is it about the scoreboard, or is it about the fact that you love people? In some of the hardest moments in my life. And I was thinking about this, and it just brought to me, it's, it's probably made my last week a little bit rougher, because I was thinking about my mom who just passed away. I was thinking about the fact that she died and didn't know Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. She rejected the Lord. And I loved her. I did everything I could to share the Lord with her. But she did not receive Jesus. So now i got to live with that. Let me tell you, It's painful. Knowing that someone you care about did not receive Jesus, even though you did everything possible, it hurts. And, I, and I'm not going, and I, I know what I know. And there's no way I can justify anything else, because I've had people make all kinds of interesting suggestions. The fact is, if you know Jesus, you go to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, you don't go to heaven. That's what I know. So now I've got to live with it. I've got to live with the fact that Years ago, my grandmother, I had a conversation two days before she passed away. And I said, I remember saying, you know, it was, it was, I was just a brand new believer, young guy. And I said, Grandma, you've got to receive Jesus. You've got to know he, he's the Messiah. And I never forget, her words were even more clear than anything, because she said, I know what you're talking about. I'm not interested. I'm not going to receive Jesus. I said, she said, we're done talking. I mean, she was really weak. She's in her bed. I mean, there's all, this is a, a, 
this is a scene made for movies. And I'm sitting here just tearing up, and my grandma just says, I love you, I know you care about me. And then that evening, she went to sleep, went into a coma, and she died two days later. I gotta live with that. Now, I understand I did everything possible, but I still have to live with the fact that when someone doesn't know Jesus, they are suffering, and I know that's real. So I'm doing everything I can to erase that thought in my brain and distract myself and trust God for what, but it still doesn't take away the fact that there's pain right here in my heart. And, and that's the kind of stuff, I'm sharing this with you because that motivates me because that's pain for people I love very deeply. But then I also love everyone else because God's given me a deep love for others. You may not understand it or see it, but it, does it pain you to know that someone doesn't know Jesus, realizing the consequences? Let me challenge you. I don't think it does, because if it really did, we would be doing more than we're doing. I'm challenged in the same way. There's things that I think about that I would be doing differently. And we got people turning to idols. We have people turning to drugs and alcohol and sex, all kinds of games, somehow in some way to find peace and love. Because I, I believe deep inside, every human being, God created us to love deeply. And if you don't have love, you feel abandoned, you feel rejected, you feel the loss of that. You do whatever you can to somehow overcome that ugly feeling inside, and you'll medicate it, you'll distract it, you, you will do things that you would, that would even... I've talked to people who have done really dumb things. Why did you do it? Why did you have sex? You know it was wrong. I know, but I was so lonely. You don't understand the pain that I was feeling. As if somehow that was an excuse. I say, no, I do understand the pain you were feeling. I totally get it. I totally understand. And I want to love them, but I want to point them also back to Jesus and the Spirit of God. You know, love is better than knowledge. You know, when you think about it, um, knowledge might, here's what the worst thing, knowledge puffs you up, but love builds you up. Listen, I know that knowledge is essential, but it's not sufficient. I know that knowledge is important, but it is not enough. The love of God it's so critical. No, look what it says. I mean, just First John 4.12. Uh, 4, no one has ever seen God, period. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So here's what this is saying. If we could somehow genuinely love each other the way God wants us to, Someone who doesn't even know God, who has never seen him, should be able to come into our midst, into this room, and see and know the love of God. You know, people aren't going to see God like we like that. But if we would love each other the way God called us to, they would see God. I have no doubt about that. They might even get a glimpse of them. 
See, this is the crazy thing. Love makes us like Christ. Uh, that's challenging. That's what the word is saying. See, salvation is not based upon what we've done. It's based upon what he's done. And maybe it's time for us to get a little more uh, careful about how we live life. Because I see a lot of us walking on the edge of God's grace. And this is what Paul is talking about. I'm going to use a different word to help you understand what this pastor is talking about. He's talking about you and I being presumptuous. Especially about God's grace. I mean, you know, he, he's talking about the idea that are we willing, have we decided by way of our attitude that we can walk so close to the line that it doesn't matter? And I think a lot of us are walking too close to the line, and that's what's happening here. Paul's writing in the church in the Corinth and says, look, this is really messy, guys. You're walking right up to the edge, and you're being presumptuous and arrogant about who you are in Christ because you think you got it all figured out. So Paul's saying something, and man, some of you just, I hope you'll receive this, you don't have it all figured out, and you don't know everything. And maybe the best thing you do is start listening a little bit more. Can you see me of that? God's talking to me as well as to you. Let me tell you, I really believe that. You know, there was a guy, to kind of illustrate this, he was hiring a driver, right? And so there's these three guys who showed up, the, the top three candidates. So he needed someone who was a really great driver. This guy was, you know, needing someone. So he says, okay. They, came, they went out to the, to, uh, he, he, uh, by his house, and there was the water, and there was a cliff, and there was roads and everything. And so the guy says, here, let's, let's see how well you can drive, right? So we'll do a little test drive. And so the first guy says, listen, I'm going to show you how good of a driver I am. I'm going to drive right up to the edge of that cliff. I'm going to turn around, do a 180, and come right back. And you know what? I'll never go over the edge of that cliff. And the owner goes, well, that's, uh, that'd be pretty impressive. I think I'll stand here and watch you do it. <laughs> so the guy did it. And it was amazing. The guy was like, wow, you are one great driver. The second guy comes and says, listen, you think he was good? I'm going to come up to the very edge. I'm going to pull alongside that edge. I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to come back around, and I'm, I'm going to be the best. And the guy says, good, I'll stand and watch you do that. And he did it. He did everything he said he was going to do. And these two guys are amazing drivers. I mean, who knows? where? And the third guy comes and says, wow. How could I ever compete with those two guys? These guys are amazing. But he says, listen, here's one thing I will promise you. If I'm your driver, I'm going to keep you as far away from the edge as I can. <laughs> Guess who got hired? But we act like the first two drivers in the way we're living for Christ. And the Word of God is saying, get away. Just get far away. You don't want to go up to the edge because here's the crazy thing. You might go over. <laughs> Arrogance and presumption can be enemies to healthy thinking. And, you know, the Word says to acquire wisdom is to love, one's, is, is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. So... Here's the deal. You never stop learning. You never have enough. And you need to learn to listen to God and the Holy Spirit right. and read His Word. You know, 
I hope that you would take this and think you need to renew your mind every day with God's Word. Every day. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Here's something that I believe, that your knowledge should lead to the love of God. It's kind of crazy, but our mind, Scripture says, will lead us to healthy emotions. You want healthy emotions? It's got to start with what you think. You want to love God? It starts in what you know. But it doesn't stop with what you know. It's got to move forward into this amazing transition and transformation. And that's why, you know, they did some studies. These are their actual studies. I have copies of them. I looked at, I mean, I've known this for a while. But how you start your day, the first 20 minutes, will literally set the course for the rest of the day. You want to have a good day? What you do the first 20 minutes is everything. So think about it. What do you turn on? What's the first thing you put into this brain in those 20 minutes? You turn on the news? You watch Fox News and see what's going on? Do you, do you open up your Facebook account? Do you look at the, the news on your device? Or do you open up the Word of God and spend 20 minutes bringing in something that's good and positive? I mean, what's the first thing you listen to? I mean, the, the rock and roll station, you want to get your get the blood going, you want to, you know, have the, the, the workout, so you put on the happy music, or do you put on the Word of God and listen to the worship music with Scripture being sung, and that first 20 minutes will transform the entire rest of your day. And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, you really want to do this well? Okay, number one, it's good that you know stuff but it's more important that you love people. And maybe it's time to start thinking about what it is that you're doing and is it, in fact, loving people. Yeah, you can go watch an R-rated movie, I guess. But when, when a brother or sister in Christ sees you watching that movie, are you loving them? You know, when you are you know, sitting in your car and you've you got those big speakers going, you're listening to that crazy music, and all of a sudden alongside comes a believer who knows who you are and they see you listening to this music that is talking about some pretty ugly things using some pretty lousy language, and they know you to be a believer, strong in the Lord. Is it worth it? When you get really angry at someone on the roadway and then you just floor it and go around them and, get, and just cut them off because you're so angry and the person you just cut off because they, you know, they were going a little bit too slow is one of the ushers in the church. Now maybe they deserve it because they're ushers, but... All the ushers are making weird movements right now. <laughs> Is that what it's all about? Do you love them? Do you, I mean, even if it wasn't someone at church, it doesn't matter. Are you with me? 
You know, it's, it's interesting. The Word of God says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So here it is. Are all things new in you? Okay. Man, this is something that is a challenging, unbelievably important message that God has for us today. So here you are. You guys, some of you guys, I, I know you. You know a lot of stuff. But is the most important thing happening? Is your superior knowledge leading you to love people? Or it's leading you to just feel like you can do whatever you want? And if it means that you need to stop eating bacon, are you willing? Are you willing to let it go for the sake of someone knowing Christ? Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alfc.us or download our app.